Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Good afternoon and welcome to The Late Lunch. This is Irene Gahan sitting in for the lovely Jerry Kelly today. And last night we were all very, very disappointed. Um, our very own Brooke Scullion didn't get through the second round, um, unfortunately. Um, but we have on the line Paul Harrington. Well, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Paul. How are you? I hear. Bel- I hear. Happy birthday is uh, in order. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when you th- when you think of that great song that that. Uh, uh, myself and Charlie did those years, uh, all those years ago. The opening line is, "I remember '62," and I'm remembering '62 now today. <laughs> well, happy birthday from everyone here! Thank, thank you very much. I'm just, I'm, listen, I'm just literally in my car, so I hope this something doesn't go wrong here that I that I lose you. So just, oh well, Friday the thirteenth, you know yourself. Oh, I got you beautiful. I have you. It's perfect. Great. Oh. It's working very well. <laughs> thank you. So, what went wrong last night? I was well, no, you tell you tell me because devastated for her. Brooke, Brooke Scullion did everything in her yeah. power. Her, her her performance was absolutely flawless. Yeah. Uh, the, the song was strong. The arrangement was strong. The, the the presentation was excellent. And you know, I was watching it last night, and I I can tell you, I I when I was watching the results coming in, I said maybe this maybe the third or fourth uh, result coming in had to be her. That's what I said. To this is no question because I thought there was a lot, a lot of weak songs there last night and, mm. and I, I thought there was a lot of poor performances. And again, I thought hers was just, a, it, was, it was a standout performance, to be honest. Well, the cheer that went up as soon as she came on the stage, it was better, yeah. than, it was the biggest cheer um, of the night when she when the Ireland was announced to, to take to the stage. Yeah, I, I, I heard there was great, great support in the, yeah. in the stadium there, you know, uh, or in, in the arena, should I say. But uh, look, I mean, uh, there is no rhyme or reason. Uh, uh, you know, the thing is, is I understood over the years, you know, us not getting through, you know, when we sent out, you know, kind of weak songs, uh, you know, yeah. which we have done many times. But but this time, I mean, look, did I did I think that this could go ahead, go go all the way and win it? I wasn't. I you know wasn't a hundred percent sure on that one, but I was certainly uh, would have would have lost my shirt on on uh, on the fact that uh, it, it was going to go at least go to the final, you know. Because yeah. I thought I, you know I've heard all, listened to a lot of people talking on radio this morning, and and all the comments are saying, look, it's the best thing we've had for years by far, you know. So uh, anyway, I, I was I, very I, surprised. Yeah, I have to say, I was very surprised. I was sitting there watching the results, 
And as you say, they were going down and there was six left to call and five left to call. And I just thought we had to have been put in there somewhere. Well, I mean, don't forget, don't forget this is, the, the, you know, the, the jury system has, has been reinstated for a long yeah. time now. And, you know, that's, that, that is kind of there to kind of put a bit of sense on it. And, and um, you know, and it, it, all juries are made up of people from all walks of life, different levels of expertise and stuff. So I'm absolutely surprised that, you know, I would have thought plenty of juries would have said, ah, yeah, definitely Ireland uh, this time has to has to go through because there was some I mean I, I, I kind of had my eye on, 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 on Malta I don't think it, I'm not sure if it got through I don't think it did but but again it was a very good song a lovely singer but a poor performance so that might have gone against it whereas I mean you know Brooke completely did everything right look here's the thing she's got a huge uh, career ahead of her as well you know she does you know, she, she's 23 she's got bundles of energy uh, and uh, you know I mean I'm guessing that song is gonna could, could be a big hit anyway you know yeah. I, 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 I didn't look at it, how it's doing on, on any of the downloads or Spotify or anything. I, 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 I wouldn't want to sicken myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have that experience walking out into that stage too, which is effectively one of the biggest shows ever <laughs> on TV. So it, it is huge. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a very changed thing, you know, now yeah, these days. But I mean, that said, you know, I mean, it's great experience for her, um, and she didn't show any signs of, of any sort of nerves or anything. Everything. The, Everything was impeccable, but um, yeah. So, is it just my imagination, or is the show getting more extravagant every year? I just was blown away by the pyrotechnics and the lighting, and the it yeah. was quite extravagant. It really was, I, and I think. Well, I think that see, the, 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 the technology gets better every year. That's the thing. So, okay. so that that that's a, that's a big deal, and so they're using that to to their advantage. And uh, yeah, I mean, look. Uh, they have to try and do something to make make it uh, look when we did it you got to see the Eurovision and you got to hear the song for the first time on the night you know what I mean as a, as a viewer whereas now people can kind of download it and listen ahead of yeah. time and uh, listen to all the songs so and, and of course they show you the, 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 the whole reveal is all done on the first semi-final so I mean they have to do something that makes it very very attractive to watch it kind of over and over like if you know, big Euro- Eurovision fans are going to watch all three, obviously, you know. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> Guilty. So, so, so. <laughs> hey, yeah, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch the first episode, but I, obviously I would watch the second one because, uh, you know, supporting our own. But, um, yeah. but I, I, I was disappointed because, uh, you know, I was kind of looking forward to, to, to us having, a, like, a, 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 you know, a good shout at it this time. Yeah. You know? I, I, but that said, I mean, I know I was on the... I was on the, uh, the panel on the on the late late show that that the selection panel and i uh, and our panel didn't choose that to send it out we were we we had selected janet grogan but the uh, but the popular vote sent Brooke. uh but you know what i mean we we had we had that as our second choice so you know um there you go i don't know i mean you know it, it, it was it came across very well so I, I it came across way better than than i had a thought when i heard it the first night on the late late i said you know, and, and it starts to grow on me a bit more. But uh, and and again, the, she absolutely knocked it out of the park in terms of performance. So, yeah. so I don't know. I she really did. Know and you know what? I, we have uh, LMFM's Ken O'Sullivan on the line as well here with us today to uh, have a chat about the Eurovision. He, he Ken knows a thing or two about. I tell you, he does. Ken, how are you? Hi, Irene. How are you? Hi, Paul. Happy birthday. <laughs> ah, thanks, Ken. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, Ken, yeah, what, what went wrong? We're talking about you, all right? What went wrong? What went wrong? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Paul. Poor Brooke. 
Paul Mills on the headline there when he said that, that she did everything right. Everything was perfect. I mean, for years we've been criticising RTE for not taking the contest seriously. No, no, we've done everything right. The song was great, the singer was great, the choreography, the dancers, the staging. The audience reaction was just fantastic. It was. So I, I really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm devastated. I'm, I'm very, very disappointed because I was absolutely certain this was going to qualify. And for the first time in about 10 years, I was really looking forward to Ireland competing in the final. And it didn't happen. And I, I'm, I'm seriously at a loss. I, I, I don't know what to say. Well, I have to say, I was watching the when I was watching all the um, finalists being called out last night, I was also watching Twitter and... Um, it just blew up. Actors, politicians, authors. I mean, everybody just, just was like, recount, seriously, recount. What's gone on? It was, they were all devastated for her. I've got, I've got a great idea, by the way, about how we can get into the final. This is a terrific idea, okay? No, I think it's a foregone conclusion what's going to happen on Saturday night. The sympathy vote is going to carry it for Ukraine. I, I don't think that's a, a, even, even up for discussion, right? So yeah. uh, they're obviously not going to be able to stage it next year. So why doesn't Norty bring it to host it for next year? At least, at least <laughs> we get in the final that way. <laughs> but, I mean, I just, a, a, a listener here has just said, how did the one washing her hands get through? <laughs> not yeah. poor Brooke. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the, well, there there, there, there's there's several other signs you kind of see and think yourself, how on earth did that get through? But uh, you know, and, and Brooke didn't. It'll be interesting because they'll they'll actually uh, release the, uh, the 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 actual results on Saturday night after the contest. So on Saturday night around eleven o'clock or something like that, we'll be able to see just exactly how those Ireland came to qualify. And I bet you, I bet you, we'll probably finish in eleventh place, about two points behind the the, the tenth. So. It's. Uh, I, I, I'd say a Stuart's inquiry could be in order, Ken. Do you think? There's no point in appealing it. All I'm saying is it's just, just very, no. very bad luck. But uh, I, I, I reckon there won't be much in it. But you know, look, I, I, I've been on the, 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 you know, the voting or the jury uh, for a number of years. Uh, well, not not recently, but you know, for quite a few years when the juries came back. And I mean, it's a very very fair you know, system. It works very well. You know, I remember the, the, the number of years I was on, or maybe four or five years in a row, uh, whatever panel was on uh, judging, we always picked the top three. We always we always got it right, you know. Now, the thing is, what's surprising me is how this wasn't on at least the, in the top two or top three of, of all the juries list. That's well, yeah, well, yeah, that, that's my point. But on Saturday night, we, we'll actually get the breakdown about about what juries voted for what song, and, and, and oh, oh, will we? Yeah. Oh, will we will. I didn't know that. We will. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that would be really, but, but not until after the final, because obviously they don't want to influence ah. the, uh, the, the the decisions on Saturday night. But once the contest oh, is over, they release things out. I was on the jury myself in t- in 2016, and and I, I, I can, yes, I agree with you completely that it's a very uh, transparent and it's a very very uh, fair uh, way of actually deciding it. But there's yeah. an argument yeah. to be made, Paul. That's uh, and, and Irene, sorry, the argument we made now that we should actually just scrap the, the telephone book and go back to juries because at least the juries render a fairly a stable vote. It's yeah. not all over. I think it's, I think it's, it, I think it's more it, fair it, and more accurate. But you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it could, but it makes a bundle of money for somebody. With the, with the, well, uh, it does. Yeah. I mean, on, on Saturday night, we're, we're going to see we're going to see an audience reaction of, of people voting, voting, voting for something that they that they probably won't even be watching. And yeah. that's, that's what's going to affect the vote and it's going to ruin the contest. And Ken, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. Um, the political, I know it's not supposed to be political, but, you know, you could nearly redraw the map of Europe based on who's going to vote for who at this point. Are we going to see a lot of that kind of block voting, sort of all the yeah, Baltics yeah, well, yeah. voting for each other? And 
it's fair to say that if you draw a line halfway down Europe and everything to the right of the uh, of that votes for each other and everything to the everything to the left of that votes for for for, for the, themselves as well. I mean, you're always going to get France and Spain and Portugal voting for one another. The UK and Ireland usually exchange a number of votes and everything like that. And everything to the right of that line, mm. well, they're going to be voting for. They're going to be getting behind somebody. No, the, the trouble is with, with with the situation with the war and everything like that. There's going to be a huge emotional wave of yes. sympathy. And it's the wrong direction for the contest to take. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping in vain, but I'm hoping that, that the, the best song wins on Saturday night, and that's not going to happen. That's Sweden, by the way, but, it, but it's not going to win. Yeah. And I, can I ask you a question? Because I couldn't find... How is Australia in this? There's got to be... There's a reason behind that, but I'm not quite there is, sure. There is. They're, they're associate members of the European Broadcasting Okay. Union. As, I mean, uh, Israel, for instance, they're in they're in in, um, in Asia, but they're uh, they're fully paid up members of the European Broadcasting Union. Interestingly, Morocco is also part of the European Broadcasting Union, and they competed in 1979, 1980, something like that, just just once. But Morocco can uh, can can be in the Eurovision, so that's why Australia they're they're, they're associate members. And Charlie, who do you have as odds on for? I'm sorry, Paul, who do you have on for? Um, for Saturday, who do you think is going to do the business on Saturday night? Because I, I don't know. Well, Sweden looks very strong. <gasps> yeah, fantastic. You know, uh, I, 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 and, and again, so they, they they could match our our uh, seven wins if they do it. You know, yeah. I, I I didn't really I didn't really get that far to study the form for Saturday. I kind of had a good look at yesterday and had a you know had a listen to it and and, and was I was absolutely confident that that it, it was a, a, a shoe in for Brooke, but. Saturday, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the favourites are. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm guessing Sweden. Is there any other? What is favourite? Do you know, by the way? Um, Italy, um, Sweden, Italy, Italy. I love the Estonian song. That's the cowboy one. That's that's, that's very clever. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. I, 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 I have you heard the, the Estonian song, Paul? You, you may have seen it last night. The, the, the one, that, the one that sounded like the theme to a Western movie. He d- it did actually. I thought it was quite funny. It's, it's, it's a cracker, and Paul. Paul, you're a busy man. You have six, is it six albums out this year? On the way, yeah. I, I, would you believe that? I, 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 think I've, I think I've done six albums of music in my in my musical career, lifetime. And now in one year, I'm going to release six. It's, it's bizarre because uh, I have the, the first two out at the moment. Um, it's called The Lyrics of the Thing, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, and there's three and four coming out, and there's going to be a, a, a kind of a two other editions, a Christmas edition and a standard edition. But it, this was all came out of um, uh, all came out of, of a, of a, uh, a, a slot I do, I do well, a radio series on on, on Pat Kenny's news uh, 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 show on News Talk. As uh, to think of the lyrics, saying we do, we have a chat about the background of a song, and we do uh, uh, a performance uh, of the song, and of course. You know, it's, it, we, we were going to do this for about, uh, for the pandemic, which we thought would last about six weeks. So two and a half years later, I've got all these recordings. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people want, you know, wants to hear some of the songs. And so I said, why not just put them out there and see what happens? So, so far, so good. The, the first two are, 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 uh, are, are doing very well. Thank God. Volume one and volume two. But, you know, just, just here, apropos of nothing, I just want to say hello, if you don't mind. I, I, I don't normally do this, but there's a... Two, two. You've got two avid listeners. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, Louis and Angela Sadler. They are in. in they, they're based in Dunleek there, and they are big LMFM fans of listen uh, night and day. So I just want to say hi to them. There you go. So thanks that, very that. much. Well, You're gentlemen, uh, that's Paul Harrington. And if, I, if I could, Paul, I, I, send me advanced copies, will you? <laughs> 
I, well, here's the, here's the thing, Ken. The, the, at the moment, they're, they're putting everything up online, and by October, I'm I'm doing a box set, a physical box set of um, of all six. So, so because it will include a Christmas edition as well. So, I'll be sure to mention that. I'll be sure to mention that. Well, certainly. very thank you. To, my thanks to uh, Paul Harrington there and LMFN's very own Ken O'Sullivan, and we're going to go into the song now. Our Brooks Scullion and That's Rich. Gentlemen, thank you very much. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. So welcome back to The Late Lunch. This is Irene Gahan sitting in for Jerry Kelly today. Um, I'd like to just give a shout out to the ladies in Southgate Florists and Pure Pharmacy in Southgate Shopping Centre for tuning in this afternoon. Hello, ladies, and thank you so much for all your support. And now on the line, uh, we have an author. She wrote one of my top three crime books last year when it came out in the larger trade paperback version. And I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. And you know a good book uh, when your family are told to go get takeaway for dinner or eat cereal. Um, I read it through in about straight through in about four days and I loved it. And Siobhan MacDonald, the author of The Bride Collector, is on the line. Hi, Siobhan. How are you? Hi, Irene. Thanks for that lovely welcome. I'm <laughs> great. I'm being blown away down here in Limerick. I think... Uh, there's the wind is howling down the chimney, but it's probably a warmer wind than it was in the winter. <laughs> That's the only thing. So your reviews are absolutely amazing. Um, the Irish Times said, MacDonald builds the action to a spectacularly creepy climax and there's a superbly worked out twist to follow that'll take your breath away. That was very good. That was nice praise for that. Oh, I was delighted. Yeah, no, that was... Uh, <laughs> that, that I was uh, kind of really, really pleased to get... a. Uh, uh, the good reviews and it seemed the larger version was uh, well well received last year when it came out but it was a bit of a weird time because it was July and it was just a bit still a bit uh, pandemic-y yeah. at the time so um, yeah the new the, the smaller version is coming out on the 26th of May I think so uh, hopefully that will do well well it would be it's perfect timing for anybody who wants to put a really good book into their suitcase uh, going off on holidays this summer do you, can you give a brief sort of outline of the story I mean <laughs> I dare I say it we all love a good murder fiction only um, yes. but can you give a brief outline of the story Sure. Yeah, it's it's um it's set in um, a fictional town called Kylebegan in Kerry, and the story opens up in uh, January, and it's a cold January night, and a woman is found dead on her bed in her home, laid out in her wedding dress, and roll on uh, another month to February, and this uh, small town. Uh, now receives news of another murder and another uh, woman is found and she too uh, has been laid out dead on her bed in her wedding dress uh, a bride-to-be. So the the town is on high alert because this is a town that's just used to uh, tourism, uh, conferences and uh, people coming from abroad to see the Wild Atlantic Way. It's got fantastic golf courses, beautiful hotels, nice bowling greens. People come here, they want to retire here. So this kind of thing doesn't happen in Kyle Began. And after these two murders, 
we, we, uh, the reader uh, happens upon this taxi driver called Ellie Gillespie. <laughs> and Ellie is bringing this uh, hen party home from a night out and she drops the bride-to-be off in her house and finds out the following day this woman has been found and she has been murdered in the same way as the other two ladies. So you now have the spectre of a serial killer in a small tourist town in Kerry. And why And why did you pick the setting in Kerry? I mean, I know a small town lends itself to lots of secrets and lies. And I think at any at one point, there's lots of different people sort of suspected here. But what, what made you pick that particular sort of setting? Well, I kind of wanted, I mean, there are lots of beautiful places in Ireland, but I wanted somewhere that was a, a byword for uh, tourism. And I thought that, you know, Kerry kind of fitted the bill both here in Ireland and abroad. Everybody, you, you just say Kerry and it conjures up pictures of lakes and mountains and beautiful beaches. Yeah. And I wanted this tourist town to be, when I was writing it, I kind of had this um, atmosphere. I wanted to generate the kind of atmosphere that you would have seen in something like um, Twin Peaks, you know, the kind yeah. of the eeriness you. of Twin Peaks and then, you know, the kind of the, the spookiness of something like The Fall, which was set in Belfast. Um, and then I wanted to have a kind of a, a, a warmth to it. And that was another reason why I picked Kerry, because everybody knows that Kerry people are very chatty and they're very warm and generous. And I wanted to have those, you know, those three vibes in the book, yeah. so um, you know that it would have the, the, the kind of the warmth of something like Happy Valley. I don't know if you've ever seen that um, that uh, TV series, but it's kind of a it's a high kissing uh, police procedural, but it, there's a warmth to the characters. Yeah. So I wanted the characters to feel like they were people that we all know. Well, the main character uh, Ellie Gillespie, she's a taxi driver, but she's a little bit dark and flawed and a little bit of a story gone on herself, hasn't she? Well, she has. She does have a, a backstory that the reader gets to find out about. But I um, picked her as a, a taxi driver because I just thought, you know, these taxi drivers are the kind of people that uh, everybody talks to and they get to hear stories. And as, as Ellie says at one point, she's new to the business, but she kind of feels like she's running this um confession box on wheels because everybody tells her you know what they've done you know they might have had a a few jars out in the uh, pub and they're a little bit loose-tongued or you know taxi drivers typically know uh you know who's on holiday who's gone into hospital who's whose houses are empty and they're privy to an awful lot of information so that kind of puts Ellie in a good position to know or to at least have suspicions about who might have uh, committed the murders, but as you say, yes, yeah, she's kind of a she's a dark character. She's um, I like the she's flat. flawed. Let's say she's flawed. She's flawed. <laughs> she's flawed. Yeah, and she, she she loves listening to true crime podcasts and that kind of thing. <laughs> so you know, she she feels that she's a little bit of a a kind of a I I describe her as a bit of a kind of a a kick-ass Miss Marple, you know, a, a Miss Marple with attitude, a modern-day Miss Marple, that's and, the kind of, you know, girl that she is. And you know what, there's such an amazing um, 
at the moment, crime. I mean, there's so many fabulous female Irish crime writers. What's going on? Like, it's it's brilliant. There's a lot, you have a lot of good company out there at the moment. Why did you choose to write crime fiction? I think... Because this is your fourth book, isn't it? Or your fifth book? It, it is. It, this is my... Well, my fourth uh, published book. I have one that's... Um, uh, vegetating in a drawer, which is my uh, my first attempt. I guess you know you have to you have to do it all wrong first, or you can <laughs> hope that you're getting it right. But um, I chose crime fiction because you know I think lots of people have an alter ego, and I think um, mine is probably a detective, but an armchair detective because I'm I'm really probably um, a cautious person and I wouldn't like to put myself out there being a real life detective or a real life guard but when you're when you're at home in your own house or in your own car and you hear of uh, mysteries and crimes being committed at my my head starts swearing and I, I, I like to try and have a stab at thinking what might have gone on and I I am intrigued by uh, by mysteries so I think that's why uh, my my natural leaning is towards um, writing crime fiction because you know to you, you're talking about flawed characters. I think um, at the centre of a lot of crime novels, you you will have a flawed character yeah. if, you, if you choose to write it like that, and they they can be more interesting uh, to write about. And yeah. also, by uh, crime fiction, you often have a moral dilemma at, at the heart, and and there there are tales of morality in a lot of ways. And you can put your own spin on that because in real life, you know, things don't always turn out fairly and you don't always get a fair resolution yeah. to something. But, it, you know, in, in crime fiction, the reader all typically ends up at the end of uh, the novel feeling that everything has been squared away and, you know, whatever crime was committed, it was dealt with fairly and the perpetrators get apprehended and punished. <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. For... And they all live happily, yeah. And, and <laughs> it's a kind of a, like, like a rebalancing and, and, and you feel like you're in control of life. Um, so, yeah. And did you always want to write? I always find this question really interesting for writers because I always go, did you always want to write? Is that something that you really, that you, you kind of always had in your head from a very early age that, you know what, I want to write, I write stories, I write yeah. poems or in my case, very dreadful poetry um, which will never ever see the light of day from way back when. Um, but did you always really, did you always want to write? I think I find a lot of authors will say, oh gosh, yeah, I've always wanted to write from the very beginning. I've wanted to write. I might have got off in one career, but I've always wanted to write and I've written alongside. Was that, was, was that what you had? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, I guess, um, I don't know if anybody writes letters anymore. But yeah. I mean, when I was young, you'd, you'd always write letters. You, you, you would write letters thanking relatives for, for, for Christmas presents. You'd write letters when you went away to Irish college. You'd oh, write yes. letters when you went away abroad. And, you know, sometimes those letters would get embellished and they mightn't be, <laughs> they mightn't be <laughs> mostly true. And then, you know, you'd hear afterwards, oh, God, that was, you know, that was quite an amusing letter you sent back or, or was that all true? And... Um, I enjoyed writing, you know, uh, stuff at school, um, and I did. Uh, I got um, uh, an award from the Department of Education for an essay at, at one point in my uh, <laughs> going back to my junior search. So um, I, 
then uh, went off to do the um, I did electronic engineering in college, but I you know I I didn't really want to do engineering. I really wanted to write, so I uh, found this career, or I found that you know this, this job that I could do, which was technical writing, um, which kind of married my, my my engineering degree along with writing, and that was a way I kind of managed to do what I wanted to do, even though. It was, you know, writing user guides and operation manuals. And sometimes there was marketing writing, which was a bit more creative. But at the same time as doing that, I started to do, you know, send in short stories to short story competitions. And Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A friend of mine who's a writer just said to me one day, well, why don't you just write a novel? And, you know, just do it. It's a bit yeah. like the Nike act. You know, just, just like that. It. Yeah, just, just like it. that. Just <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, yeah. And I mean, I guess when a lot of people start off, they don't tell anybody they're writing. Yeah. And it's kind of a safe space because nobody's asking you how you're getting on or nobody's yeah. asking you what your story is about. And um, so I did, I'd say about 10 years ago, I, I started writing. And as I say, the first the first novel is Vegetating in a Drawer. Mm-hmm. Um but then the, the second one, um, which was the, um, the Blue Pool, um, yeah, that, that, that um, uh, saw the light of day. So uh, that was published and uh, it was onwards and upwards from there, really. Um, I loved Guilty. I read Guilty. As soon as I'd read The Ride Collector, I went off and got Guilty. I really enjoyed that. Again, very atmospheric and sinister. Well, yeah, and it's, it's very uh, kind of... Uh, this idea, you know, the, the small town and, and yeah. the big secrets. And I kind of think, you know, there are small towns everywhere. Everybody, and everybody knows what, um, uh, you know, a small town, there's a feel for what a small town crime might look like and how people might react. And it's kind of like, um, this is an Irish saying called, it's bean bale and a host, which means, you know, silence is golden. Yeah. And I think in small towns, you kind of have, you know, people are very, 
you know, it can be difficult to guard your privacy. So, so people don't talk a whole lot. But at the same time, small towns also have a huge warmth to them, you know, and again, to use a, an Irish uh, phrase, it's a Kayla a Warrenadina, which is like people rely on one another. So you kind of have this kind of conflict of people looking out for one another and trying to guard their privacy. So you, you kind of have this dynamic going on, which very much lends itself to kind of a, a mystery in in a small town setting and, um, how, you know, how it can be difficult to peel back the layers to find out exactly what's going on. Yeah. And what, I mean, what do you think makes a great crime book? What do you think? I mean, if you who do you who do you read? Who do you like reading? Oh, I, well, I do. I like reading um, the the all the new. I, I, when I say new, in the last ten years, yeah. the uh, new Irish crime writers. Mm. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, Catherine Ryan Howard's *The Nothing Man* because oh, I, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I really that enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it was a great hook and a great concept. You know, because you have the serial killer. <laughs> Story. There's a bit of a theme yeah. coming here, Siobhan. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have, you have to, you know, I, I know we said we'd meet for coffee at some point, but now I'm getting a little <laughs> bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can meet in an open space. <laughs> I'll be texting everyone, that, you know who I'm with. <laughs> yeah, but another, um, I do like the, the, the Irish uh, uh, crime writers, but one that I read uh, lately, which I really, I mean, it, it, it left its mark on me. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, was Will Dean's book um, The Last Thing to Burn and that's on my to be read pile as well actually I've heard of quite yeah. a few recommendations for that you you really enjoyed it well you know what um, I'd use the word enjoyed advisedly because um, it, it's 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 a what you call a powerful book and okay. it's a stunning piece of writing and hats off to Will Dean because he really you really empathise with the main character in the book and you really feel you are that character. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a stunning piece of writing. Um, but what else do... Um, uh, I, there, there's another writer that I really, really enjoy. And, uh, but, you know, if you wanted a holiday read and you wanted it to be set somewhere wild and yeah. romantic and by the sea, there's a, um, a writer called Peter May. And he's written, I don't know if you've heard of the Lewis Trilogy. The first book is called The Black House. And it's set on the island of Lewis in the Outer Hebrides. Okay. And it's got, I mean, the, 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 the setting is stunning. The, the, uh, the kind of the storyline is really good because you have this um, detective who's in Edinburgh and he's called back to where he grew up because there's a similar um, case Happen that's just happened on the island, similar to something he's investigating in Edinburgh. And he's actually pulled back to the island that he grew up on and he has to go back to his childhood where various things happen yeah. and all these tr- kind of strange traditions on the island. So um, that, that's... Those would be yours. Well, do you know what? Yeah. I um, I know uh, I would be recommending Get the Bride Collector um, by Siobhan MacDonald if you want to throw a really, really good book into your scoot case uh, this summer on the way off on holidays. And I wish you the very, very best if the book is out on the 26th of May. Siobhan, thank you so much for joining us today. Lovely to talk to you, Irene. You too. Take care, Siobhan. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drawda Dundalk and Cabin. With rising fuel costs, there's never been a better time to own the fully electric Renault Zoe and save thousands. New and nearly new options available. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now, welcome back to The Late Lunch. 
On the line, we have a lady called Nia Timmons and she runs the Headstone Sanctuary in, in County Sligo. But she's a former journalist who swapped her investigative human rights work to rescue cows, ponies, horses. And she works a very, very long day looking after these animals. Nina, how are you? I'm OK. Thanks a million. How are yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. You sound like you have a very, very busy day looking after all these animals. Yes, I do. On average, I'm working 17 hours every day and I haven't had a day off in, I think, four years now. And, so and what rescue animals do you have? What rescue animals do you have in the sanctuary? Um, I have an emphasis on cows because there is no other place um, in Ireland that takes a significant number of cows. And there's a lot of bull calves, especially in dairy farms, that would otherwise be slaughtered because they're of no value. Um um, so the majority is cows and then I have sheep and I have ponies and I have dogs and I have Wow and how do you end up how do those how do those animals find their way to you how do you end up looking after them I know you have two beautiful cows that are blind I think it's Ivy Ivy and Angel, and Angel. How, do the, how do the animals end up with you it's different for each and every one, but mo- I think for most of them, the farmers or someone acquainted to the farmer has contacted me because in the case of the blind one, for example, um, because they're disabled, the farmer found a soft spot for them and just couldn't send them off to fattening or the factory with all the others. They just didn't, you know, they didn't find it in them. They tried to find a safe place for them to rescue them. And in other other cases, as I said, it's bull calves from dairy farms, and then it was the wife in the case of three of them. And it's different different stories. Some come from neglect, some come from being rescued by others. But I think usually it's actually the farmers or someone known to the farmers who contact me and ask, you know, can you and, take them? And do you have anyone helping you on the farm look after them? I wish I did. <laughs> I so you, are you looking for volunteers to help, aren't you? Um, yes and no. Uh, yes, of course I am. I mean, I desperately need help. That's obvious. No one can do what I'm doing. It's not sustainable in any way. It's not, you know, it, it literally kills you over time. But it's also very difficult um, in the situation here. Like a lot of people never turn up or they leave early. Work is so hard. People just don't expect it's that hard. They think about feeding and cuddling calves and dogs and cats and everything is cute and you see the nice pictures, but it's really, really backbreaking work. I have the cows are living with me, horses do with everyone else, so they have bedded stables and I need to muck them out every single day. And that's a lot of work. You can imagine what comes out of a cow in comparison to <laughs> That's a lot of that sounds like an awful lot of work. It really does. Um, and so you are you're looking to move, aren't you? You're looking to relocate to try and uh, uh, basically accommodate your 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 growing family of of animals. I have to. I actually I really need, I love the area. I love to stay here. I love the place, but the changing climate has made it impossible. It was um, the situation is really devastating. It's, um, the farm is sinking, so to speak. There's it's like below the hilltop situation, and a lot of soil has been washing down. Mm. And the ground underneath the farmyard and the stables and the sheds is um, washed out. So the floor is starting to break up, and the walls are crumbling. I have a lot of these old um, two hundred year old stone cottages, and they are all coming down. They literally it's. It is literally dangerous, unfortunately, and I've tried to remedy the situation for years and tried to raise funds while, you know, there was still 
another option, but there isn't anything left now. We really need to get out of this place. Yeah. And at the same time, I desperately need to get somewhere where there's like a larger pool of people who can help. I need like regular volunteers. I need long-term volunteers. I need people who would be able to run the place if something happens to me, who would be able to make decisions. People who really invest themselves as well, because it's not about me. You know, I don't do this because I want to be the savior of these animals. But because it needs to be done, like someone has to do it. And yeah. but that needs to be a broader, a wider thing. And why um, would, I, I, you're looking for, you're looking at relocating, hopefully looking at relocating to Meath. Why yeah. Meath in particular? Well, it's Meath and surrounding because for, for various reasons. I mean, one of the main reasons, as I said, is closer to Dublin mostly. Yeah. Um, the land is a lot better. Um, by by some coincidence, a lot of friends I have, volunteers who have been here once or a few times, but they don't drive, are in the area. I have people in Navan and Trim and Dunchoklin, abroad in Drogheda. But uh, most of the people actually I know uh, or would be ha- able to help or would be happy to help are in the area. Um, and then I'm also friends and collaborator with um, Dunsany Nature Reserve. And yeah. it would be great if we could enlarge on that co- collaboration. So and and how many how many acres are you looking to get for for the sanctuary? As much as possible, to put it that way, I need I would need at least fifty acres for the cows alone, just wow. because they need a lot of land. And then the whole concept behind Hearthstone or behind what I stand for is is bigger. You know, I'm having a past as an environmental human rights animal rights journalist. I've always always an environmentalist and then you look at what's happening with the climate you know the the latest IPCC report that said we're on track for an unlivable world and not a lot is being done um, mm. and for that reason I've always been someone who you know tries to do what they can do like cause as little harm as possible at the same time try as much good and so I'm also looking into rewilding as much land as possible and I'm also an organic sanctuary in the world because as I said I want to cause as little harm and you know do as much good as I can and that's all things that for me is all the things human rights environment animal space I think it's all important it's we are one one ecosystem one big ecosystem and we have to take care of each other and of everyone else and if anyone uh, can help you how can they get in touch with you how can they find you Sorry, who said it again, please? If anyone can get help you, if there's anyone out there that can help you and get in, how do they get in touch with you? Is there a page for the Heartstone Sanctuary? Yeah, there's an Instagram page, um, Heartstone Sanctuary. There's Facebook um, and there's a lot of links. There's a few articles and things online that, that can be found. But the easiest is Facebook and Instagram indeed. I don't have a website yet. Right, okay. So it sounds like you have an awful lot of work and you definitely need a bit of help out there to uh, to look after all these animals. It sounds like a more than a full-time job. It nearly sounds like two jobs. It's three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would literally need four people regularly just to cut basic work here without, you know, working yeah. yourself. Yeah. Well, well and that's impossible. It's just impossible in this area. There aren't enough people as much as I love it and the mountains yeah. and all that work. Well, if there's anybody out there that can help uh, Nia Timms, you can look it up obviously on social media, Hearthstown Sanctuary in County Sligo. Nia, thank you so much for joining me and hopefully we'll get to uh, get get to see you in Meads sometime thank soon. So fingers, fingers crossed. Thank you for having me and enjoy your weekend. You too. Take care.
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dorking Cabin. Test drive the new Renault Arcana or the fully electric Zoe. Guaranteed delivery, low APR finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie And that was Pat Benatar. Love is a battlefield. Now, um, there's a pretty significant significant shortage of HRT in Ireland at the moment, um, a hormone replacement therapy, which is more than a little bit worrying for women out there who uh, require it um, on a daily basis. And uh, Cathy Marr from the Haven Pharmacy in Delic is on the line to discuss it with us. Good afternoon, Cathy. How are you? Good afternoon, Irene. How are you? It's quite um, a significant shortage. I mean, that is extremely worrying. It really is, and it's not just isolated to Ireland. It is UK-wide in some European countries. And it, you, we, we find ourselves asking why and how has this happened and what can we do about it? So to address the why, initially, um, HRT and the topic of menopause has become so topical in the past two to three years. Yeah. And it's really where awareness and a public awareness campaign has been so successful. The women, quite rightly so, have been saying, actually, this is quite distressing, this is quite debilitating for me and I would like some help and treatment for this. So we really have a case in Ireland, the UK and some European countries where demand is exceeding supply. And Ireland being such a small country of just four or five million people means that the product isn't coming into the country. Um, It's not being made at a rate fast enough and it's not being supplied in quick enough to us. It has had then a significant impact on product So, as you say, for women that need it on a daily, weekly basis to manage their symptoms. Um, And we've seen a really domino effect. So, patient preference, and most women out there that use HRT will use a transdermal, so Mm -hmm. a product that goes on the skin and then soaks into the bloodstream and works that way. Patient preferences for that and the safety profile is probably a bit better as well. Usually a patch or a gel or a spray that's gone directly onto the skin. If we have one brand of patch, and Easter Dot might be one that your listeners are very yeah. familiar with, and that has gone into supply, uh, short supply, and we've been given a date of possibly July for that to come back into Which stock. Which is absolute madness. I mean, it really yeah. is. And I know I've heard of stories of women being told to cut their patch in yeah. two to try and stretch it um, to make sure that it's there because... The minute, the minute you take those patches off, I mean, if you, I know women who forget to take a patch and within two days, oh, the symptoms come straight back again. The every, all of them rush back in again, and they're, you know, they're back to square one till they get hold of um, more prescription. Um, Absolutely. I'd like to say if this was a man's issue, we probably we wouldn't see, we probably wouldn't see this. I mean, this is crazy. This is July. Uh, what are women supposed to do in the meantime? I know some doctors or some pharmacists are saying go back to your doctor, try and get a you know an alternative um, product, but. That seems to be, uh, most of them seems to be in short supply. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, so that's what happens. So we, we, we have this domino effect. So we've one yeah. product that maybe goes into complete shortage. So we have a really seamless approach. We try to make it as, as seamless for women and as mm-hmm. least distressing for women. So we can contact the doctor via email, an encrypted email service, and just check, can we switch to another brand and another brand of patch, which usually is dose identical, though sometimes we may have to advise that a patch has to be cut. If someone is on a, a 50 patch, some people yeah. might know Easter dot 50 or Everell 50 and they need a dose of 25 or they need a dose of 75 we might have to use a half patch or one and a half patches to try and get the best dose possible to see what 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 controls their symptoms and then what has happened both or many of the patch products have gone subsequently into short supplies we've had to switch people to a gel formulation um, which again then went in short supply and we had to switch to a spray 
So it's not just limited to Ireland. It's yeah. really, really difficult. And it's really important. And you're quite right to say we can't trivialise women's health yeah. and we can't trivialise these symptoms because if you're trying to function with hot flushes, night sweats, sleep yeah. disturbance and mood, the quality of life that some women have, maybe from their mid-30s up to their mid-50s, can be really, really debilitating. So you're absolutely right. We need to make sure that we do satisfy the needs of women. What we try to do is make sure that women don't have to go back to the GP, that GPs and pharmacists work really well together to make sure that any switch that happens, happens easily. Yeah. But if I go out to someone this month and say, look, I know it was this pro- product A last month, this month it's a different patch, next month it might be a gel, yeah. and the month after that it's a spray. And they might have different reactions to it as well. Absolutely. People sometimes react differently to the adhesive. Um, so it's a real, real concern. We've been told by the drug companies that hopefully by July there'll be some consistency in supply. There is always a lag time with manufacturing when demand spikes. And some of these products, have, the demand has spiked by as much as 70 to 120 percent from 2020 to 2021. So it's a huge, huge yeah. spike in demand. So with the manufacturing process, it's not just quite as simple as let's make more yeah. and give Ireland more. It is a much more widespread problem. But we're hoping that it catches up. These problems have been going on. So the supply has been inconsistent since about mid-2019. And when we think back to, we've really brilliant spokespeople for women's health and we've had Davina McCall and we even had Joe Duffy do a full week on it last year. Yeah. So yes, it's absolutely right and proper that the, the conversation is happening, but we need healthcare to catch up with it. So we're hoping that we're asking women that not to buy product online because what can happen is you don't know what's coming in online. Exactly. Nothing online is regulated or standardised. We don't know what the product is. And to check with their pharmacist who will always contact the doctor on their behalf to see what can we do to make sure that those symptoms are as managed as best as possible yeah. because no one wants to go back to either perimenopausal symptoms or menopausal symptoms because uh, the quality of life is really, really disrupted. Yeah, and I mean, this is a conversation that you could nearly do like an entire day's show on and I, 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 I sympathise. I can only imagine how, you know, you would have to deal with them. Uh, there's also another issue is short supply of the Moderna, the second boosters coming up now for the OD for over 45s and there's a shortage for that as well. Not a short supply as such. The date um, on it is a little bit limited. So the, yeah. the expiry date that we have is the 3rd of June. But we are asking yeah. all of those in the over 65 or the immunocompromised group to make sure that they do avail of their second booster. Thanks. For many of us, we'll have had our two doses of the COVID vaccine and a booster. But for those in an at-risk group, such as the over 65s yeah. and immunocompromised... Kathy, thanks. I'll tell you, we've just been... Louise is in my ear telling me that. Uh, thank you so much. We just have to go to news at three. But I really appreciate you on the call today. Today. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk and Cavan. Talk to our van specialist Danny about the new Renault traffic and master range. Visit blackstonemotors.ie to see our massive range of light commercials with same day business finance. Now, welcome back to the late lunch. Um, it is going to be a very busy weekend sports-wise. And uh, David Sheehan's on the line from to tell us what's coming up this weekend. How you doing, Irene? How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. It looks like a busy weekend. Am I am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose it all starts tonight with the, the League of Ireland and um, Dundalk are playing Bohemians. Uh, they've already met once this season. That was a, a very eventful two-all draw up in Dalyman Park. And both sides in mixed enough form at the minute. Um, Bohemians, in their last five games, they've won two, drawn two and lost one. They had a good draw away to Derry last week. Draw, or Dundalk, on the other hand, um, again, they've won three of their last five, but they had a draw against UCD last week, two all, when 
They were 2-0 up, looked like they were cruising. Then they got uh, Andy Boyle sent off just before half-time. UCD came back and ended up snatching a point from that one. So Dundalk be pretty disappointed with the way that one went for them last mm-hmm. week because UCD, without a win this season and rock bottom of the table, Dundalk would have been expecting to win that one. So it's going to be an interesting game tonight. I think, you know, Bohemians are, are no are no bad side. Um, Dundalk just three points ahead of them on the table at the moment. So they'll be looking Dundalk to bounce back. Andy Boyle is suspended, as I mentioned, from that sending off last week. Yeah. They've got Mark, Mark Connolly back and they've got John Martin back fully fit. So that's a little bit of a boost. And it's going to be a really close game. I wouldn't rule out another... Another two all draw, but I think Dundalk maybe just smarting a little bit from that result last weekend might just come out with a point to prove and, and they might they might take all three points. But it's going to be a, a very exciting game, I would say, and it, and it could be a, another high scoring one. Very good. And then Shelburne are in Drogheda. Yeah, well, Drogheda are in Shelburne actually. Yeah, it's up in Talca Park, so um, it's uh, just down the road from actually where I am. So I'll be going along to that one tonight. It'll be live on on LMFM.ie and the LMFM app as will the Dundalk game. So. Yeah, Drogheda, um, not in great form. They've lost three in a row now. They went on a little run unbeaten their six games uh, earlier in the season, but they've lost their last three now, and they got an absolute hammering against uh, St. Patrick's Athletic last Friday night in Drogheda. So, you know, Shelburne, a kind of a side that a lot of people expected to be struggling uh, against relegation this season, along with Drogheda. So, at the moment, there's two points between them. If Drogheda were to win tonight, they'd go above Shelburne in the table. But, yeah, they're just in not, not in great form, Drogheda, at the moment, and they're missing... They're missing uh, Darren Markey and Adam Foley, who'd be two of their best attacking options. And Chris Lyons, who's their number one striker, really, and has been for the last number of seasons. He's doubtful. He went off injured last week early in the game. So they really only have Dean Williams as an out-and-out striker who's available and fit. So that's going to be a real problem for them as well, because if Dean Williams starts, if he doesn't last the whole game, then their options on the bench are very, very limited. So I think for Drogheda's point of view tonight, it's going to be tough. Shelburne had a really good win against Sligo last week, which a lot of people were surprised by. And I think if Drogheda go up there and get a point and just stop that little bit of bad form that they're in at the moment, stop the rot, then I think they'll be happy enough with that. But it's going to be it's going to be tough for them for sure with the, with the way the squad is at the moment. Yeah, and then tomorrow we're looking at an FA Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea, so that's going to be a, a pretty big fixture for a Saturday for a bit of a bit of a yeah, big event it, for a Saturday. Everyone's looking forward it, to. It is, and I mean, people of a certain age, myself included, will remember <laughs> when the FA Cup final kicked off at three o'clock on a Saturday. This one's at a quarter to five. I was going to say four forty-five. It's quite late. Yeah, it's not. I don't. Pref- I don't really like that those late kickoff times. And I think even for for fans going to the game, particularly fans coming down from Liverpool, you hear this every year that you know they're they're missing the last train home with this kind of stuff if it goes to extra time. So, remarkably enough, actually, Liverpool haven't won the FA Cup since two thousand and six, which is kind of hard to believe when you look at the form they've been in. They haven't even been in the final since two thousand and twelve. So. That's kind of a, an unusual stat, I guess. Yeah. People might be surprised by given the form that Liverpool have been in in recent years. Chelsea last won it in 2018. Um, the big news, I suppose, from Liverpool's point of view is Fabinho was out injured, so he's going to be a big miss for them. I still think they'll have enough to, to get through that one and to win it. Um, the quadruple is probably looking a little bit dicey at the moment as far as the league goes, but they're still in the hunt for the FA Cup and they're obviously into the Champions League final as well. So I think Liverpool are just about sneak it. It could be a, a cagey enough game, but not expecting a huge amount of goals in this one but I think Liverpool might just sneak it maybe 1-0 Yeah they're, all sit- they're both sitting at the top of the table aren't they at the moment Well Man City look like they're going to win the league yeah. but Chelsea I think Chelsea are third at the minute so yeah, yeah look it's, 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 a, it's a battle between two, two of the top sides in England for sure So I any predictions for tomorrow second. do you think Liverpool will, Liverpool will pull through? Yeah, I think Liverpool will just about do it. It's very hard to call, but I think they'll just make it maybe by the odd goal, yeah. I have three or four friends who are very keen for Liverpool to win tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I've a few myself, so I think, yeah, look, I think they will, but look, what do I know? It's going to be very close, I would say. Yeah, and then the Leinster football final on Sunday at half four. Well, yeah, it's a semi-final, actually. So, yeah, Sorry, it's, going to be, um, it's going to be to meet in Dublin, and uh, look, at Dublin are going for, <laughs> for 12 Leinsters in a row now at this point. They've just had such a stranglehold on 
the provincial title for so long. Now, the last team to beat them, as people will remember, were Mead in 2010 when they, they got those five goals on that, that famous day. It's a long time ago now, though, and, you know, I think even the most ardent Mead supporter, of, of which I, I, I say I am myself, they, it's very hard to see Mead beating them. Um, you look at the way the games have gone the last few years, Dublin have won them fairly comfortably, with the exception of last year when it was really all over at half-time, and then Mead came out in the second half and put in a hell of a performance and got it back to three points, I think, at one stage, Brendan and Brendan and Matty were getting very excited up in the commentary box. So Dublin ended up just holding Mead off and he won by six in the end. So, look, it's it's very hard to make a strong case for Mead. Um, they're going to have to bring something different to the table than they have done the last number of years. I think they're going to need to be a little bit more direct. That Dublin defence is a little bit shaky. There's a few faces in there that haven't seen as much uh, game time as they would have liked. And it's not the Dublin team of old. Like they've come back to the pack a little bit. Um, they're still better than most. But I think they can be exposed. And Mead just, I think they just need to be brave. And look... No Mead supporter is probably expecting them to win, but if Mead go up and give it a good rattle, a bit like Carvin did against Donegal last weekend, then I think you know everyone will be pretty happy with that. And who knows, maybe they could pull off a surprise, but you know, all evidence would suggest that Dublin will win, will win that. Well, being a job living in Mead, I've got my foot in both camps there, so either way I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're, you're certainly not alone being a Dublin living in Mead at this point in time. It's uh, hard to Absolutely. tell something that there are more, more Dublin flags than Mead flags up in places. But look, it's going to be. I'm going into it myself. I'm taking a, taking a day off for for once. I'm going to go in. I'm really looking forward to it. Should be a great occasion. I think there'll be a decent crowd there, and I just hope that me do give it a good rattle because I don't think, you know, Dublin aren't definitely not as are definitely not as good as they were, and I think they could be exposed if me kind of go at them and have a bit of bravery and, and that. But we'll look. We we'll wait and see. But you'd have to you'd have to fancy Dublin to, to get through it one way or the other. David, thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend of sport, and to everybody else, uh, thank you for listening in to the late lunch this week, and we will have a great weekend. Take care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.